Welcome back to Scratching the Surface. My name is Justin, a.k.a. Money. And my name is Cody, a.k.a. Junes. And we welcome anybody returning or new listeners to this episode. We got a good one in store today. A uh, little bit different, a little bit different style. Um, and it's a movie Cody actually introduced to me, and that is The Witch, uh, which I believe came out in 2016 so pretty pretty recent honestly um like i said very different style of movie we're, we're glad to you know get into this i know i'm excited cody's excited and we're just two guys that love talking horror so if you guys haven't checked out already we do have a you know spotify account if that's where you're listening go check us out there and make sure to hit us up on YouTube. That is at Scratching the Surface 100. Drop comments, leave likes, leave dislikes if you want. Let us know how we do, what we can do better. Uh, movies you guys want to uh, recommend to us that we can cover. We love taking suggestions. There's millions of movies out there uh, with this. And we actually have a brand new TikTok account that just came out, I believe, just a couple of days ago, uh, made by Cody. Cody, you want to shout that out? Yeah, we're up there on TikTok now. It's going to really just be short clips of either our episodes and then really just clips of us talking anything general for the horror genre. So I hope to post at least a couple times a week on there and eventually more than that. So that's the that's the plan for now. Yeah, seems like, you know, we're just dipping our toes in the water. So we're we're trying to get out there. We want you guys to, you know, have access to this as much as possible, you know, not just Spotify, which is what we originally were on. So this is our eighth episode, I believe. So, you know, we try to pump out an episode every week, week and a half at the most. I know this one's been kind of pushed back, uh, both been a little busy in our personal lives. So, but we're glad to cover this. Um, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to keep this, you know, five minutes spoiler free. That's our theme. That's what we like to do in case anybody actually hasn't watched it. Um, so we're going to keep this spoiler free. And if you want to stop after that and go watch it, I highly recommend that. Then come back and, and you know, experience it with us and, and what we thought. So, um, Cody, what did you, you know, just a general, you know, summarization of, of it. What'd you think? Yes. I am really excited to talk about this one. I remember going to it and theaters back in college, it was such a different type of horror film. And what I loved about it, of course, I've always been a fan of films that are set in the 1600s, the 1700s, and then to kind of intermix that with the horror genre is just freaking really enjoyable. And I've always had a love for that. So for mm -hmm. me going into that, I knew I would enjoy it just with that alone. And coming out, I was pretty happy with it. It's a very methodical unsettling movie everything is slowly paced and slow burn but with a pretty darn good payoff and if you just are patient as a moviegoer i think that you will be rewarded with the ending here and the witch mm -hmm. we are set in 1630 like i said 1600s we are in an uncharted territory of land where we are isolated and we feel that isolation with our characters that we have in The Witch. And I think the director, Robert Eggers, was very faithful to the time period that he was trying to display in this movie. So I think it's the perfect film 
we're heading into Thanksgiving. It's right around that time period. We have Plymouth settled in 1620. Mm-hmm. Jamestown settled in 1607. We're right in line with that time period. And keep in mind, this is a time period full of struggles and death, disease, danger, whether it be wild animals or Native Americans. It's a dangerous world in this time period. And then to combine that with horror themes is so freaking fantastic. So that's my overall view on it. I love that. That was that was perfect, dude. Wow. Uh set the bar high there. Um I I agree a lot with that. And I loved how you mentioned like the slow burner kind of effect cuz this movie is a slow burner. Um it's got a very good intro and then it just fades out super fast. Um but we do, you know, when it, when that slow burning effect's going on, we actually with this movie learn a lot about the family that's involved. And we get some spikes here and there of like some eerie, really, really, really suspenseful scenes. Um, the movie's very, it's got a lot of melancholy, the, like the color patterns and stuff's a lot of the same. They depict a forest in this movie uh, where, you know, quote unquote, the witch lives. Um, they do a fantastic job of whenever it's depicted, it's like the creepiest thing you've ever seen. I know a forest might sound kind of boring or lame, but it's like, no, it's the complete opposite. Um, yeah, like you said, set in the 1630s, New England, um, very, very good time setting for what's coming up and the things that, you know, go along with that. And to me personally, this is like, you know, in a long time, one of the movies that has like the best characters and their and how they depict their emotions it's phenomenal i haven't seen a movie in a while as good as this where the characters are so like the people you know these actors and actresses where they're so invested with their character and their emotions and like really really showing and exempting how they would talk how they how life would be in that time period because you know we do get to see them on a farm everyday chores doing things like that where, hey, like it's showing you this is what we, you know, this is a day in, day in the life of either a kid or like a teenager in 1630s New England. So best, best thing I've seen in a long time as far as like how invested these people are in their characters, um, especially the father. He, that was crazy. So I, probably my favorite out of this, um, aside from the daughter being kind of like the main character, um, but very, very cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I loved and just everything you said too. So yeah, kind of my summarization of it. I enjoy that you give some light to the acting job from our characters, our actors and actresses here. I was pretty darn impressed with the kids. We have the twins and we also have the son, Caleb. We'll mention Mm -hmm. their, their actor and actresses names here in a bit, but those three did pretty darn good for being as young as they were when this was, when this was put out. I was really impressed with them. They had some really difficult scenes too, especially Caleb. Caleb had some very, very challenging scenes to to work with, and he did an exceptional job for his age. I really have to give him that. Anya Taylor-Joy, the lovely Anya Taylor-Joy, I love her. She's done a great job. She's had a hell of a career for as young as she is. Obviously, the Queen's Gambit was huge when she came out with that or they came out with that. 
we see her in the menu last night in Soho split. She's a phenomenal actress. So she is. She this, is. seeing her have really her first breakout film in the industry here is really cool to see. And I, and I enjoy, enjoy seeing her just do her work. She's awesome. She does such a good job. She's so convincing. And then everybody, like you said, the dad too, and the mom, they are really in tune with the time period, the setting that this movie has. And they work so freaking hard on their dialogue and the words that they use. Everything was very convincing and on par for what it should have been in a 1630s setting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, directed by uh, Robert Eggers. I'm sure they were, you know, he and the, the whole cast... I can't imagine trying to like put yourself in that setting with, like you said, the dialogue alone talking like that is so different. And like the accent too, I don't know if they actually all have like a new England accent, like an English accent, or they actually had to like practice that. Cause I could say some stuff and have an accent, but like if they're naturally born into that makes it that much cooler. I didn't, you know, should have looked it up, but I didn't. But I was just curious. I just thought of that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if, you know, they actually voice acted it a little. And, the you know, obviously a lot of practice with the dialogue alone. Um, but yeah, very, you know, like I said, it just totally invested with how well I think each character performed. Because that's all we see in this movie is just one family. It's pretty, you know, dumbed down to, I think there's... Uh, there's seven, seven people total in the family with five kids and, and obviously a mom and dad. So, uh, we get seven characters basically, and then you have the witch. So I guess eight, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's yeah. So I would recommend it. I'm sure you'd probably agree. Would you, would you say you'd recommend it to someone who hasn't seen it? I definitely recommend it. it, Again, it's a slow burn. You have to be patient. But the fact that I come back to this and just appreciate it for its dialogue and its faithfulness to the time period just goes to show how high high of quality this is. And Robert Eggers, he's relatively new in the industry as a, as a director, but he has done The Lighthouse, which I freaking love The Lighthouse. A little bit of a different movie, but The Lighthouse was really good. He did The Northmen. And then now one of my favorites, he is potentially, I think he is actually going to be the director for the new and upcoming Nosferatu remake. I think it's slated for 2024. I hope that it is full on green light at this point. So he obviously has shown he can make it as a director in Hollywood. And I think Mm -hmm. we'll see his name quite a bit in the future. This is an A24 film. A24 has obviously been churning and burning for some time now, but this was in 2015. So I mean, I can't remember exactly once A24 started kind of getting recognized, but I think this was right around the time where they were really getting some big time hits put out in the theaters. Yeah. And before we end kind of the spoiler free part, I'm going to read the synopsis or movie intro and we'll kind of cap it off there. And like I said, we we both recommend it. So if you want to stop and come back and hear us dissect this film, please do so. I, I recommend it. So uh, so here we go. In 1630, New England, panic and despair envelops a farmer, his wife, and their children when youngest son Samuel suddenly vanishes. The family blames Thomason, 
The oldest daughter, who was watching the boy at the time of his disappearance, with suspicion and paranoia mounting, twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty, and love to one another. So, perfect, because that's all this movie is. It's pretty simple. I'd say it's pretty easy to follow as well. Um, there's not really any confusion at all we get to learn each of the characters kind of their personalities if you will um and see how they grow into this movie as things really start happening so um that's kind of you know five ten minutes uh of spoiler free information for you guys so if you want to stop we don't blame you just hit us back up so um let's get into it so let's 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 dissect this movie so like you said, it's an A24 film. That's one of the first things I had um, in my notes. Uh, very, very good, in my opinion. Um, and it opens kind of with a court trial. And we don't know at the time, but we see this man who later, you know, we figure out it's the father, William, uh, in, a, in this old court trial, if you can imagine, you know, back in the 1600s, um, standing in front of, you know, judges, um, for I think basically just the acts he was doing and that's kind of what led him there and they actually banish him from the plantation and we we see them walk out there's nothing that they can do really and they have to go basically settle on on new land um, so that to me was interesting how they opened up but it prefaces how we see them live a new life so I thought it was very good how they opened up with that. Just a little confused at first. We didn't really get, you know, introduced to the guy. Um, dude, his voice when he talks too, so good. Like so powerful. I, it's so powerful. I don't know if that's his actual natural voice or like I said in the beginning, <laughs> if they voice acted some of this. But man, like I was like, I like had to stop and like look off because I'm like, holy cow, like that is insane. But um we we kind of see the kids in line there standing with him and and the mother Catherine as well so very very cool and then they kind of just it ends that little little scene just on like a horse and carriage just literally <laughs> driving off if you will um off to somewhere where they basically have to start this new life yes and like you said we don't really get to hear what exactly the father William who's played by Ralph Ennison we don't know what exactly he did we do hear that he is banished with his family from the plantation due to prideful conceit so we're not really sure exactly what that all entails and what he did but like you said we end up riding out into the uncharted territory and we end up with the family we have some really eerie beautiful string instrumentals in the background as we're riding off it starts getting dark. We're heading into the woodland. Very good opening. And then we get the awesome text for The Witch, a New England mm -hmm. folktale with, the again, some string instrumental that would be probably heard within this time period. I think it gets you really well in place for this movie. It gets you in the zone. It gets you in the right mentality. And we end up with the family the next morning. I believe we found some land. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, we we see how a day in the life would be just from every, you know, all the kids doing chores, 
washing clothes uh, in the river, like scrubbing just with, you know, the river water. Uh, I believe just like picking corn from like bundles of stocks, like corn stocks they have, um, cleaning hay and straw out, uh, like scooping crap, like literally just the simplest farm life you could think of back in that day. Um, and like tending to animals as well and just things around the house. Um, but yeah, we, we get, as, we get introduced to, to the family a little bit and Thomason, who again is like the main character in this movie, uh, playing peekaboo uh, with the baby. And I love how they kind of started this, you know, what this is going to lead into early on. Um, cause it gets the audience really invested and she's playing peekaboo with, ba- with baby Sam like what I like to say or Samuel. And I think it's like on the third or fourth time, she's like peekaboo. It goes missing. We get a cool shot of her looking very like confused. And then a shot where the baby was just like on a pile of straw with the blanket and it's, there's nothing. And then the camera slowly pans to the forest and that eerie, just creepy music starts playing and I'll just, you know, repent this, but they depict the forest so freaking good in this movie. Um, and we hear actually, because I watch movies with like subtitles on and, and during this, it, it showed grass rustling. Yeah. Um, just funny thing I like to do is, is pay attention to detail with that because it's like, well, you know, something's in there. Like, you know, it's not just a forest. It's like a forest with some something's in there so we don't mm-hmm. really you know you assume it's the witch but because a baby wouldn't just go missing like that like literally out of thin air it's like mm-hmm. what the hell so kind of i like how they do that early on it gets you invested and um you know makes you as a horror movie should kind of start asking questions in your head like if this happens then what happens to this person or what's going to happen with this and, and you know you start gets the gears turning so i like how they did that yeah, we like you said, we get everything built. We get the farm built. I'm not sure. Would you say a month had passed by two months, maybe since they found the open land? Because I, I mean, to build yeah. that house and to build some of those stables would have to take at least a couple of months, especially on his own. Think of that. The dad, William, was probably doing the large majority of that by himself. Oh, 100 percent. And actually, because they mentioned in the movie, too, like winter's coming up. So. You know, you're thinking, hey, this is, you know, they probably started maybe late summer and worked on this in the fall mm-hmm. uh, because they do mention how it's going to be cold, like winter's coming up. Uh, we get shots of them outside at night, even later, and you can like see their breath. So it's cold out. It's like it's like this time in Iowa right now uh, <laughs> where we live. And <laughs> it's for it gets cold at night. So I can imagine it probably took like even longer, like maybe four months, five months, because. Mm-hmm. Dude, back then you have one dude, you know, the man of that man of the house, you know, yeah. the carpenter doing that um, would would definitely take some time. Because you have the house, the barn, the, the fence around everything, a barn for the chickens, I think, and then a separate one for the goats uh, <laughs> that we see later in the movie, too. So, like, there's there's quite a bit and you got a family of seven and the house looks pretty decent sized. Yeah, hold. I mean. Like this like man is this guy rich or like he's just a good scavenger like in a carpenter to, to you know yep. get those materials and build that so mm-hmm. i like how you mentioned that but and let's yeah. just let's just give credit to where credit's due the setting was freaking perfect it was a perfect setting for this type of movie oh, and the set yeah. for the the houses and, and the little stables the wood 
the tree line right there in the woods, right next to him. I mean, how how exceptional is that for a slow burn horror movie? I just I freaking love it. And we get that scene, like you said, with with Thomason when she's doing boo with peekaboo, I should say, with with little Samuel. How how scary is that? Imagine having your little son or your little brother right there in front of you and you 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 cover your eyes and you you open them back up and he's freaking gone just gone vanishes out of thin air and like you said he's rustling into the woods what's in the woods it's yeah. such a good setup it's such a good setup we know the woods can be scary and at this time period we are dealing with wild animals we don't know what is in those woods especially at night I think that's so creepy. And every time we get a good zoom in of the woods money, we get that awesome, ominous choir music. So ominous. Yeah, yeah we do. It's we, so perfect. We do. We do. Oh. Yeah. So shortly after this peekaboo scene, we do see a person. We don't know if it's a guy or girl, but it's just some human figure in red. It's literally reminds me of like Red Riding Hood yeah, through the yeah. forest, like Red Cloak, Kate, or like, 100%. you know, and they're just trotting through the woods. And I think we hear some screams from the baby. And uh, this is where we get introduced to the witch. And with this being my first time ever Dude. watching this, the way they depict the witch in its rawest form absolutely gut-wrenching terrifying makes you just want to look away but you don't because you're like what the hell is that so what did what did you think of this as you're watching because to me for the first time it was kind of like a holy shit moment like this is not what i was expecting and probably anyone listening that's gonna watch it or has watched it for the first time and is listening to this probably would say the same yeah, definitely spine chilling seeing this figure. And it's getting kind of darker during the day mm-hmm. in this scene. We see this freaking weird figure with the red cloak. Man, it just it solidifies the fact that there is potentially something in the woods and this family could be in danger. The scenes we get with the witch actually, I can't even believe I'm saying this money, sacrificing the little child. Yeah. Is appalling. It's grotesque this old naked body we see we see some old butt cheeks too and it's it's uh (laughs) we do there's a lot of nudity in this that's just the way it was back then with yeah these these witchcraft figures and people like that's just a fact anything was possible when it came to witches and the scenes we have with the witch we see the witch take a knife and we assume cuts little Samuel. And then we see this witch mashing presumably Samuel on this tree trunk or whatever, some type of piece of wood and lathers the witch lathers herself and the blood, obviously some type of sacrifice. I thought at that time she is cursing this family. That was my initial thought when she was doing that. We get a a pretty eerie scene as well. I don't know if it was the back of the witch's head or what it was, but it was a perfect spooky moment where this potentially the witch's back of the head. We're looking up at the moon, the giant full moon. 
We have mm -hmm. the trees in the background. I think those are some very unsettling scenes. And I'm glad you asked my take on it because it beautifully gets us engaged in The Witch. 100%. Yeah. Such a good scene. And at this point, this happens probably, what, 10, not even 15 minutes into the movie. Like, it happens pretty fast. So like We waste said, very little time. Yep. Like I said, from that peekaboo scene up until that, that's probably about five, a little five-minute chunk of time. And the way, again, they depict this witch in its rawest form is terrifying because you see it. It's old, it's wrinkly, it's just, it's an inhuman look. It has yes, the look of a person, inhuman. but the way it is distorted, it's it's a bigger type, type of thing, but you see bones and it's, you know, it's very bony and scrawny looking at the same time. Uh, and yeah, I had two, like kind of in my notes, like it's it, it seemed to me like it was literally churning up the baby like butter. Oh, that's, literally... that's a great description of what that was i to, wish i could have used yeah, that to literally turn it into like pudding oh like, man and then to cover itself and we actually see it uh, really this is one of my favorite shots in the movie too it's like the witch is laying like we almost see it in its home obviously but like mm -hmm. it looks like a cave of some sort it's dark it's really hard to tell and it's like laying on its side and we see it lathering it's like, up like it's broom, like a stick. Mm -hmm. And I, I immediately thought, like, this has got to be a broom. Like, it's covering the the baby remains in a, with a stick. And then, like you said, we see the full moon shot. We see it literally riding off into the moon. Um, the pointy hat, the, the clothes kind of, it's just like a black kind of mass, like figure. Mm -hmm. But you can, you know what it is. Like, you can depict it out. Um, you, you spotted that scene better than me, Money. I didn't see, I didn't really think of her flying into the air i think that could very well yeah. be I what i was seeing there yeah will, yeah yeah i think yeah she because she sacrificed that baby mm -hmm. did what she had to do to i assume kind of obtain a power if you will to do that um why she covered it in herself i don't know i'm assuming that's just a part of the she process was like gyrating too when she was holding on to the stick yeah. it, was, it was pretty disturbing and what a what a good scene though. I as Ooh. appalling as it was, I can't help but I can't take my eyes away from it, I should say. Yeah. So this <laughs> this gets you invested. This was like holy shit moment again. And like, mm -hmm. whoo, like makes you wonder what you're in store for because you know, taking advantage of a baby is gonna be easy, but like, you know, to see what this is gonna do to the rest of the family and yes. how it unfolds, wow, keeps you keep kept me invested and you know, later to figure out like, okay, this is kind of like a huge spike and then it's a slow burner, like we said before. So great, great scene though. Like, wow, very good. So, um, yes, of course, when the family finds out the Samuel is, is gone, they're distraught. And I think throughout the movie, of course, William takes it, takes it hard, but the mom, Catherine, who is played by Kate Dickey, she really, really struggles with the loss of her son. And it was as if the whole point of her life and her happiness was hinging on the life of Samuel. And you notice once Samuel was taken from her, ripped away from her, she is just completely besides, beside herself the rest of the film. I don't think she ever really recovers. She just doesn't. This family goes through a lot throughout but the moment sam is gone catherine is 
kind of unhinged. Catherine is unhinged, dude. She mm-hmm. is definitely by far the most emotional character in this movie. Does it really well. Lots of sobbing, lots of prayer. Like it just seems like pure raw emotion. Uh, you know, if this actually, you know, maybe not the way it happened, but like if you had a kid, like if you're a mom or dad watching, and like you had a kid that, you know, inf- it's an infant, probably yeah. not even a year old, like go missing. You know, the way she responds is probably pretty accurate. You know, especially if you're a religious person, mm-hmm. someone who is really invested with Christ, um, and just it's like wow like so i like how you brought that up very uh, very unhinged um but it seems raw it seems pure like it's yes really believable so yeah and that's they, that's uh, something with the people of this time period the puritans the separatists they were so believing in god and obviously think of what you want mm-hmm. when it comes to religion but this family when they saw things like this happen and experienced these things they thought it was because they were doing something wrong. It was that they were not praying enough. So we get a whole lot of praying in this film. Of course, being a horror film about a witch, this family's going to be praying nonstop. And it starts the next morning after Samuel's disappearance. We have Catherine praying like crazy in the main floor of the house. We have Caleb wake up to go downstairs. We actually get a brief little weird scene of Caleb staring at Thomason's bosom. Yeah, I. What was that like? Eh, I don't know. I don't know the like theory behind it or the logic. We we will touch on that later down the road. But I just wanted to mention it right now because it's a very, it's placed in there, plain as day. He's obviously staring at her at her breasts. And anyway, so he heads downstairs. We've got Catherine. Just she's absolutely torn up. And Caleb goes outside, he finds William, and William tells him that Catherine has not slept the entire night at mm. all. Just absolutely distraught. Yeah, she, again, unhinged, like, like you know, as one probably would, like, I probably, probably wouldn't get any sleep either. So trying to, you know, put yourself in her shoes, like, yeah, that makes sense. That seems logical. Like, you're just grieving profusely of the loss of literally an infant your infant child your your son so yeah it was i again love how they did that uh with with Catherine. and And eventually weeks go by correct i think they just eventually give up i think william kind of just tells caleb yeah i don't i don't know exactly from like the day the peekaboo scene happened and he goes missing till the end i don't know how long that is in between if it's a few weeks or a month um i would assume a couple weeks few weeks at the most um because was... there are shots throughout this where you know they say you're not getting sleep you've had many sleepless nights um and obviously we'll get into it but other events happen so i'd, I'd you know i'd probably say a couple few weeks um with how you know things turned out we see you know night shots a lot throughout this movie too so I'd, I'd have to say that probably i love the scene too or the dialogue we have in one of the scenes between william and his son caleb and he tells caleb if not a wolf then hunger will have taken sam by now we can yeah. look no longer how yeah. defeating is that as a father to say that to your other son who's living to just say 
<laughs> straight up sam might have been ate by a wolf it's very possible if not he's fucking dead from hunger i thought that I, hit home yeah i i like how he's straight to the point with things because god forbid something happened to william caleb that dude like you're man of the house like you're the yeah. next oldest that's how life was back then like there's no putzing around like things are out here to kill you uh it's killed or be killed like um you know it's the 1630s can you even imagine living back then killed or be killed so you know the wisdom he bestows upon him the the statements and just the reality he has to tell him like it's this is reality like um this is you know probably what's going to happen so i like how he's just trying to like get him in that mindset Mm -hmm. i like how you brought that up yeah, and I think do we end up going hunting soon with yeah. William and Caleb? Yeah, I, I have here like you know William and Caleb set foot into the woods, uh, basically to get more food. We learned that a lot of their crops this season, I guess in general, just hasn't been plentiful. Um, and I'm assuming you know they've lived out here for quite some time um, at this point to see what he's built just to see their everyday lives, how in, in routine they are. I think they've probably been out there a couple few years, maybe. Um, and this year, you know, they do mention a lot, like their crops haven't been as plentiful, the the corn, a lot of it's rotten, the corn. Um, and they can't really trade much for that. You know, back then trading was huge. It's, Hey, I have corn. Can I, you know, get a loaf or two of bread, maybe something so simple as that. Or maybe to trade some clothes you made or a hat or gloves, something to keep you warm, maybe something to put on your feet, uh, just to avoid like anything you can to, you know, cause physical harm or, you know, trying to stay warm in the winter, stuff like that happens. Um, that's reality. Um, it's a lot different, <laughs> a lot different nowadays. Um, Man, we've, yeah, got it. we've got it easy nowadays. And it makes me grateful because I cannot imagine like you said, Caleb having to be the man of the house by himself. That just, it just, that is just, I can't wrap my head around that, that thought of them living that way. Just crazy to me. Right. Right. So we see them set off into the woods. We get fantastic shots of it again. Um, And they actually go, I don't know if they already have traps out there, but I think they're setting new ones around. Um, and we see a cool scene too, like Caleb's carrying this musket that is like three times as long as him and looks like <laughs> it, it weighs a ton. Funny. And he's just holding it like a soldier, <laughs> uh, with the butt of the gun in his hand and the you know, the muzzle way up above his head, just obviously it doesn't go off and like we're to shoot him. Uh so very good detail with that that I picked up. And they're just trotting through the woods and they're, you know, uh setting up some traps and there's a scene in here too where Caleb is just we have a little emotional scene with him because he's so worried he's asking questions about Samuel to William uh his father like what if he's gone to hell uh what has he done to be banished like from this earth like he was just a baby like he couldn't even talk literally like do anything and like just wondering like why 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 and he starts questioning, like, if he dies today, is he going to go to hell? Mm -hmm. His, He's like, my sins won't be forgiven. Like, I'm going to be impure, blah, 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 blah. Um, and his father is, like, very reassuring here. And we learn more about William, like, how knowledgeable this guy is of the of his faith. And 
what he he just provides that like father you know reassuring presence to everyone in this movie even his wife when you know right now she's going through you know terrible grieving uh compared to william i would say william just i'm sure it hurts he just doesn't express it yep he uh, handles it as much as Catherine. so that's a great point even between the genders we definitely take things differently and we process things in our own way so yes william has a very different approach to how he handles the situation with Samuel going missing. And I love that you touch on Caleb with the religion topics, because this whole while that they're going to set traps or go hunting, we have William asking him Bible questions and and religion questions. And Caleb is just so well rehearsed in this, this religion. And he's just spewing out answers to each question that William is, is putting out to him. So He's very religious, and like you said, he's starting to become worried as a young child in his developing brain. Is it is if he if he died today, if he go to heaven or if he go to hell? And he thought the same thing about Samuel. He said, "Was Samuel born a sinner at that rate?" So that's a really good point that you bring up, and I like that you touch on it. Yeah, yeah. So we get a lot of that throughout this movie, just nitbits like that. Very cool. I, I like how they did that. Um, and now at this point, after they're kind of setting some traps too, we see a rabbit and they both kind of like freak out and get like super excited at the same time. Yep. And we see the father like loading up this muzzle. And I, I didn't know this, but like he had a rope. He was like stuffing down in like the gun somehow. And like, I saw some smoke. I don't know if that's like, I'm going to sound dumb saying this, but I don't know if that's like trying to replace gunpowder or something. Like I didn't know the purpose of that, or maybe it's an ignition starter to light the gunpowder as soon as it like burns. Um, But we see him aiming at it and a very cool up close panning shot to him with it. You know, he's aiming down his sight right at this rabbit and the gun like backfires and like, you know, a lot of that spark and fume and stuff gets in his eye and the rabbit just runs off and we don't and to me i know what's to come with it but i didn't think this rabbit had any significance and boy was i wrong um, yeah the way that see it throughout the movie yes we do and the way this rabbit just sits there staring at william and caleb daring them yeah to shoot didn't, him didn't, didn't move. move at all and of course the gun like you said goes off right in his freaking face. William is obviously not going to be happy. He's he's just annoyed at that rate and frustrated because food is low. Here is a perfect opportunity to get a good catch of meat. And we yeah. spoiled it. We lost our yeah. opportunity. That's that's very frustrating. And, I, and I'm not a hunter, but I can imagine in those times when you went hunting and were unsuccessful, that really had to just take you down a notch in terms of your mood, your spirit. Oh God. It'd have to really kill you a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. demoralizing because as the man that was at the time, your job to go out and hunt and to your, pro- your provider. Man. If you're a man, yeah. like you're basically a yep. provider back then. If you're a guy, if you're a girl, like it's don't hate me, but like you're <laughs> around the house in the kitchen, you're cleaning, you're cooking. Like that's how this movie even depicted it. Catherine literally, I don't think she left the house once. She was always at the house on the farm doing mm-hmm. chores, helping out 
but we see William like, you know, being a provider as a man. Um, and he even brings his son, who's also obviously yeah. a guy, uh, getting experience uh, <laughs> doing, doing that. So, but I liked how you brought that up. The, that rabbit literally was like daring them mm-hmm. to shoot at it, almost like it was manipulating how the gun went off. So we, we, we a, shall see how that a develops. beautiful point. And I like what we're talking about the genders there. I do kind of like the idea of what we just said, because we do know for William that it means a lot to him to bring home something to Catherine, whether it's food or pelts. So we hear that a little bit soon down the road, actually, that he does some lying because he thought it would be good to surprise Catherine with with pelts and with with food. Yeah. So I like that we touch on that. We also got a scene back at the house at the farm with Thomason, and she was checking the chickens, I believe. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as one would on a farm, most farmers probably would have chickens back then. And she grabs an egg out of the, you know, hen house and grabs it. It's like, okay, I got an egg. And you just hear like a crack. And we literally see the fetus of a unborn chicken mm-hmm. mushed in a cracked egg. I don't know if she, if she stepped on it. I'm assuming so on accident. Um, and it's, Again, like this was just like the rabbit. Like I I didn't think anything much of it um at first, but now like after reviewing it and thinking about it, it's like things are slowly like this is a depiction of like death, like this unborn dead fetus of a baby chick, like which you could have raised into another chicken to produce eggs or just kept it as food, whatever. Um but it, like you have the rabbit who like manipulated that, so no food there, and now you you're seeing some death. Um, so it's like really again at first I didn't think much of it, but it's like man, you're slowly starting to see neg negative traits um around this farm. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Because I was thinking the same exact thing. We have a few series of unfortunate events now happening, and something which sees seems insignificant, an egg dropping and having a dead fetus of the the little chick inside it seems insignificant but i think it just compiles with the again series of unfortunate events that are just compiling and compiling as this movie goes on again slow burn methodical that's exactly what the witch is it knows what it wanted to be and it went for and it did it beautifully yeah and i also have here like i don't know if this happens before or after what we just described um but we get a cool scene with mercy one of the twins like pretending to be the wicked witch of the woods and is like mocking her singing, I think even. Um, And Thomason like steps in to pretend like to convince mercy of actually like being the witch. And she Mm kind of like gets her on the ground, like bullying her into believing like, Oh, I'm the witch. I'm the witch. And she's like, liar, liar. And she's like, Nope, Nope. And uh, she kind of runs off screaming, like, terrified and caleb's there to, like to witness this whole thing and he's like why would you make up these fantasies uh doing this and stuff like that and i don't know if black philip the who we figure out's the actual like they that's what they named this literally black colored goat there, there's a white goat and a black goat i think i think there's only two of them and they mentioned black i don't know if she mentions black philip here or not um and she mentions a lot that Black Phillip's been talking to her. And I think, you know, this is a foreshadowing to see how Black Phillip is manipulating 
both twins, but right now we, we get a cool shot of mercy. Yeah. I love that. I love those scenes. I love those scenes where they're singing black Philip, black Philip. They're pro they're dancing around. They're kind like of just... baja baja, like literally yep. imitating a goat. Let's just say these twins, man, these twins will get under your skin, man. You got yeah. all this stuff going on as a family. You're trying to survive, man. You're trying to survive. And you got these kids freaking running around yelling, singing, talking to a goat. It gets to be a little bit, I'm sure, irritating for the parents. And then obviously for Thomason too. And I love that you talk about their exchanges there between Thomason and the twins. They kind of have that back and forth of, I be the witch of the woods. And yeah. then Thomason kind of embodies it just to scare him. Yeah. And, and totally rolls with it and runs with it and kind of petrifies him a little bit. So perfectly said. Yes. Yeah. I love those scenes with them. They're very entertaining. <clears throat> this family is just, it, it portrays what a family would probably be like in that time. They have to pass the time somehow. And you're going to have this banter. You're going to have this back and forth all day because what else are you going to do? You're going to probably make stuff up in your head. And you're going to probably mess with each other a little bit. And I just want to say, too, these twins literally remind me the twins from The Shining. We yeah. get some really cool shots of them standing side by mm -hmm. side, basically dressed the same, same height, just different genders. And they literally look like the twins in, in the white clothes in The Shining. It's like eerily creepy. And ugh, it just, I don't know. I just wanted to say that because they're, you know, shown as like these friendly like kind of annoying kids and they later turn into a, a whole different you know type of thing so um which we'll get into but yeah, i have here are, now... are some good scenes oh. i just i'm glad we touched on but go ahead i i'm just i'm excited yeah. to hear what you got next for me i hear or i have now here there's we got a dinner scene basically now um and this is where we hear about the silver cup and junes and i were kind of talking even before this like about the silver cup because we believe it's got a lot of significance. And after doing some research, we believe that this is actually like a physical silver cup uh, that's worth some money. And I think Catherine randomly, you know, as someone would in dinner, like, hey, like, where's the silver cup? Asking uh, Thomason, like, where it's at. And she's like, I don't know. She's like, you know, she says one spot. She's like, well, it's not there. And she says another spot, Catherine, the mother responds, well, it's not there either. Like where, like, where is this at? And we get to see William like defending her saying like, she said, she doesn't know where it's at. Like, let it be. Um, and I was like wondering too, like, what is the real, like, what's the significance of this silver cup? So I don't know if you had notes on this, but what did you kind of think of that? Like that dinner scene? Um, Cause there's definitely like some tension there. Yeah, there was a lot of tension. We're around the dinner table. It's dark. We've got basically one candle in the middle of the table. This family is just thankful to be eating a dinner, frankly. They have very yeah. limited food. We see some some kind of mash, and I'm trying to think of what else they even had. It was very limited. I think they had best. bread. I think yeah, they were just picking like, and a bread. Some kind of potatoes bread. or mash or something. And man, that's a very limited meal. So. I think everybody's a little bit on edge, especially William and Catherine, because they are aware of the fact that things are going to get a little bit hairy here in the next month with winter coming oh, right up. And will. the silver cup reference is perfect because there's got to be some significance here. There has to be. 
And we have, like you said, William covering up for for Thomason. It seems like Thomason, throughout this film, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, it's almost as if she gets just picked on and everyone is putting all of their problems and their misfortunes and they are projecting it onto her. And that, to me, was frustrating because Thomason, you feel in your heart that Thomason is not actually intentionally doing any harm to her family. Why would she want to do that? You know, and for her, for her to have to endure that yeah. would be very, very tough. It's, you know, what it is to me. It's literally the definition of wrong place, wrong time for mm-hmm. everything that happens to these family members throughout uh, the movie. She's there, but it's something she's not like involved with. It's not like the baby missing. That wasn't her fault. How do you explain that to someone? Like, it just disappeared. Like, what? Like, and she was, you know, the last one looking after Samuel. So, throughout this movie, yes, like you said, you will see uh, her getting blamed a lot of uh, for what's happening when she's not even doing it. And it tears and rips this family apart. And we'll, you know, as this movie goes on with each character, we will, you know, again, prove that point. Uh, and to me, it's literally the definition of wrong place, wrong time. So um, I think also after this now, we see a bedroom scene with the parents and the kids all huddled up in one room. And I didn't even like think this was a thing back then, but the parents really want Thomason now. They talk about getting her out of the house, moving her to basically another family. And they actually talk about going back into town uh, to possibly like move back there with how like poor they are like just you know what's just happened to them mm-hmm. and they talk about you know having thomason basically moving into another family to show off quote unquote her womanhood um and to use you know the things god has given to women to reproduce and, and yeah. have kids uh to throw her into that uh so she you know because they say like you know this isn't you know, her fault, I think something like that. And she should be able, you know, as young as she is and with how mature she's developing physically as a woman uh, to use that and to take advantage of it, uh, you know, before something might happen to her. We don't know. So I love how that scene, because they definitely overhear her or them, you know, the parents speaking on that. And it kind of gets a rise out of them then and even later on uh, throughout the movie. Yes, I think there are some superlative moments there where we have the parents clearly arguing and they even call out to their kids to see if they're awake so that they can continue talking about what they're talking about. And of course, the kids are wide awake. They hear every single mm-hmm. word. They're up in the upstairs. <laughs> Those like are pretty a, thin walls. Pretty thin walls. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. So they hear every single word plain as day. And some of those some of the words and some of the dialogue there were really just kind of crazy. We have them saying that, yes, we should probably have her move to a plantation to be with a different family. Yeah. And then they talk about the fact that we have no food. We have no, you know, they're running low on a lot of stuff. We aren't going to live this winter. That to me just was so shocking to hear it's very clear as day that the parents are worried about their survival for the winter. Yeah. It's, 
it's just so well depicted how life would be back then. It's perfect. And she even says, our son is in hell. Our corn is trash. She we thinks the family's starve. cursed. Like yeah. they, she think I think in that too, you know, you're talking about dialogue. I think she mentions like this family's just cursed. Like there's, we're praying and doing everything we can and trying to be as moral and mm-hmm. civil as humans as possible. Just, you know, and they can't catch a break. It seems like. Yeah, that's a great point. And even before that, we talked about the rabbit earlier. I do believe before the dinner scenes, we got that Thomason went out to bed the goats. And I do think she saw the rabbit hanging out in the stable. Nothing happened, but just wanted to point that out. Yeah, the rabbit is brought up again. Um, And I'll just mention this now, because if you're listening at this point and you know, I said earlier, like this rabbit's got a lot of significance. I did some research on this and the, you know, back then with witchcraft, uh, familiar animals that witches would associate themselves with are like dogs, cats, uh, rabbits. And I think there was another one. Um, gosh, I had this last one. I can't remember. And I knew I'd forget. Um, it's another, yep. and it's another common or a goat too. Maybe there's fall. I think there were five now that you say goat. Um, there was, there was more, but I can't think of them. That was my, I third. think a Raven. I think a Raven. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was a Raven. They mentioned yes. a Raven too. Caleb has a dialogue scene later where he's like, that will says be, some, yeah, there will be a Raven down the road. And I'll just say that now. So we, yeah, we see the witch portrayed and in this you know, hair back then, as I would say, or rabbit. Yes, as we true. Would say. You're um, correct. They so <laughs> very cool in the this rabbit. You just get a still shot of it. It's just chilling. It's looking. You know, they're making eye contact, and you know. So as again, we see the rabbit again in this scene. You know, it's got significance now. Like this rabbit's coming back. Mm-hmm. It's causing a an arise uh, out of out of this family. So yeah, I, and yeah. If you want to take the next scenes, you can, Money. I can roll with it if you want me to. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Yep. So we have those scenes at the dinner table that are all really good. We clearly see the parents are worried. They are debating on whether they should bring Thomas into town and basically, as bad as it sounds, exchange her for probably some supplies and food. So they're going to want to scrounge up any supplies they have, any kind of crops that they are able to collect in exchange for for their daughter which which really hurts to hear especially for her i mean she's right upstairs hearing that so we have those scenes and then we end up seeing thomason she catches caleb looking like he's ready to go out into the woods and he wants to go check to see if they got any rabbits or any other type of wild game in their traps yeah yeah, yep Yep. So Thomason tells him, I'm going with you. He says, no, I will be back soon. You're not coming with me. Thomason, of course, is resistant. And she ends up going with them. So we we head out to the woods. We get another good shot of the tree line. Creepy as hell. Ominous choir music, which is so freaking well utilized throughout. And we end up finding an animal. They got something in the trap. That's cool. That's awesome. They get a rabbit, I believe, correct? Or what? It I might have been a, it had been it a looked, rabbit. It looked like a different, 
It looked like a gray rabbit. It was definitely different from it wasn't the rabbit as, we've yeah, been you're seeing. Right. You're right. It wasn't the exact same color. I, I think you're exactly right there on that. But we get some good conversation with them. We have Thomason talking about their life in England, which I kind of enjoyed those those bits of dialogue because Caleb is young. Caleb does not remember their time in England. At least for Thomason, she probably had a few formative years that she can recall from England. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about apples and the fact that Thomason has not seen an apple since they've been in England. And she's reminiscing on that. The apple does have some significance to this story. So I love that they bring the apple up. We will see the apple again as well. It's like Snow White. It's like an apple. Like, what do you think? Like, if you're thinking right now, like, what would an apple have to do in a witch movie? Well, think of like Snow White. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say for now. Um, but yeah, and we see them, you know, having those dialogue and them walking back, which seems like home, uh, you know, going back home after, you know, catching some game, uh, having some cool, you know, reminiscing on some cool things that, they, you know, they've experienced, thinking how great life was back then till now. And we see this freaking hare or rabbit again. And I forgot to mention, too, they have a dog. They, yes. br- they, they have the dog. Uh, I don't know its name. Fowler. You know its name? Fowler. That's right. And it's barking. It's it's typically, it doesn't seem, it seems like a good farm dog. It doesn't actually seem like a good hunting dog. But in this movie, it's like barking. It's letting them know like something's there. And we get a cool shot of the rabbit. It causes the horse they brought to freak out. The dog goes running after the rabbit. Caleb tries. He's like, hey, stay here. Calm down the horse. I think the horse even has a name. I can't remember it. <laughs> and um, I'm doing bad with the animal name. Sorry. We, we forgot <laughs> um, character names. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, stay here. Calm down the horse. I'm going to go chase after the dog and try to get this rabbit. And the horse continues to freak out, for, you know, for a few seconds there. And it throws Thomason off. And it seems like she almost just kind of like gets knocked out unconscious and that was a really cool scene. I was like kind of expecting it, but it was like, man, okay. So now we have two siblings separated in this forest. Like, what are your thoughts right now? Yeah. Caleb is, he's alone out there and he's a young Mm -hmm. kid. I don't care if he is more adept when it comes to hunting or helping his dad out with crops. This kid is up against something potentially. We, we aren't for sure yet. If everything we've seen is real, we're thinking it is, but we know that he is probably up against something that is in the form of the devil. Mm -hmm. And we are scared with him. And we see Caleb actually genuinely frightened. And these scenes we see upcoming, you can see his heart rate just going crazy. He's, he's breathing fast. He is scared and we are scared with him. And he ends up seeing eventually He hears, I think, a goat bleeding. He hears the dog bark once more. And I think squeal even, not squeal, but kind of like a a screech or something like Like that. Yeah, like if you ever stepped on your dog's paw and accident and it yelps, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what it would sound like. And then right after that, he finds Fowler basically disemboweled. Oh, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. And, dude, even like on his trek, you know, looking for them and the rabbit or whatever, He's like repenting to God and just like 
saying like definitely rehearse things he said before yes. and it really puts you in there uh with Caleb to really try to experience what this kid's going through in this freaking forest alone uh not to mention he doesn't know his sister just got thrown off a horse and is probably knocked out so very very cool how they uh portrayed that and i think now like the family we get some shots of the family like calling out their names wondering because it's morning now i think the sun's kind of getting up and they realize like they're not in the house and they're not on the farm and they're just calling out their names looking for them and um thomason actually ends up making it back to the family but caleb caleb hasn't and we see thomason and and uh william reunite hugging and he's pretty much just like, where's your brother? Like, I don't know. Again, wrong place, wrong time for her because she was with him and somehow she returns, but he doesn't. And that gets questioned up later on and kind of used against her uh, at that point. So, and I also think um, at this point too, you know, back to back to back now, K- uh, Caleb runs into this hut looking thing um a house basically just out in the middle of the woods and i can let you explain it but we can as an audience i'm pretty sure you know whose hut this is out in the middle of the woods i love the thick branches in this forest as he in this woodland as he's going through caleb's going through it's thick he's having to get under all these branches he's probably getting poked here and there i'm assuming he's getting scraped up that further just heightens the fear that's that's upcoming and then we see the hut, like you say, there's a smokestack. We got some smoke blowing up in the air. It's very hidden. Everything is very dark. You can barely see the corners of this area. And so blended in. It's too. so blended in. It's just so dark all around. And he slowly walks up to this hut. He gets more and more nervous. We have the perfect, just uh, immaculate chorus humming in the background getting louder and louder as he approaches this hut we see the door slowly open to this hut we see one long leg step out a lot of skin and this woman a beautiful woman i should say mm-hmm. steps out of this hut and walks near him and caleb approaches and as this woman comes up to him he is tempted he's scared he's a young child but He's brave here, I think, in yes. this moment for even like approaching her because he's nervous and you can tell like this has taken a lot of bravery. But do. let's be honest here. Every little kid, there's going to be a little bit of lust inside you and you're going to be tempted by this evil. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely works. This woman pulls him in and we see as she pulls his head into her lips, an old decrepit hand. And she goes for the kiss. Yeah. And that's where that scene ends. And I think we're well to the point now that we know the main confrontation here. There is something not good going on in these woods. And this family is in imminent danger at this point. So as an audience listening, you can probably tell that this witch takes on different forms. We saw the natural old decrepit naked form in the beginning. We saw it in a rabbit now. And now we've seen it in a young, beautiful woman like June's has described and luring him in and yeah, kissing and, you know, having a kiss a moment and then the hand like 
basically grab him and like kidnap him. Uh, that old witch's witch's arm. You saw the ar- like forearm too. That sh- oh, mm-hmm. just, just definitely. Uh, yeah, not how <laughs> beautiful that would look for the rest of the body on that beautiful yeah, girl. No, exactly. And so the director, cool. the director was so on par, and it was very aware of what's happening at this part in the movie. We imme- immediately go back to the house. And we have thunderstorms. We have the melancholy. There is a just a certain amount of gloomy mood in the air. And you feel that after those moments as the audience as well. So it's perfect yeah. that we transition straight to thunderstorms and gloominess and melancholy. I love that. Yeah. And at this point, William now realizes he's like, I got to go look for Caleb. And they brought up a good point, too. I think it was Catherine. She's like, you have no horse to travel. You have no gun to defend yourself. And now you don't have a dog to like try to warn you at all about any of the dangers set upon you. Like how, like this is, you're playing with death here, basically. Uh, and if you try to do this, you're, you're, there's a good chance you're going to die. And he's basically saying like, well, what choice do I have? Like, do you not want me to try? Or like, we're just going to leave him and hope he finds his way back. Um, like what do we do here because like no transportation no dog because a dog back then would be extremely important especially a hunting dog Mm -hmm. um, or a farm dog in general but it's like what do you do in this situation um because you again you have that tension that's a like you know risen now between the the parents especially like um because that tension creates a lot of arguments especially in this movie um and this scene alone because it's like well she doesn't want him to go like you're gonna die and he's like well what choice do i have so Mm -hmm. it's really really cool um how she listed those things because it kind of pulls you back in uh to reality a little bit with what he's you know got left uh to try to save caleb yes a lot of commotion in those scenes and we we start to acknowledge the desperation that is clinging to this family at this point and Catherine is just, she's losing it. And she said, those things you said were, were spot on. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. This family is in a desperate state. And this is where we see William kind of give in for his faults. And he, yep. he then confesses to Catherine about the lies that he told her. One, about why Caleb was in the woods. And then two, he also admits about the silver cup. Yes, the the silver cup we brought up earlier, uh, being worth and having value, uh, how he sold that, trying to make money and keep basically keeping their heads above water, like whether it's for food, just straight up currency to buy things, anything to prep for this winter coming up, he's going to do. And yeah, he actually, he's like, I got a confession and, and admits that. Um, and Catherine is just pissed about this, saying how like you're a liar, you're blah, 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 like you just slowly see them separating and how this freaking witch is just turning everything upside down. You might not think of the witch as something that's going to do a lot of things physical, but it's going to do basically one thing like taking Samuel and having a chain of events unfold, um, which I this movie does perfectly. It's like one big thing happens and the rest goes downhill with it um taking it with it so very very cool um 
And that goes now, on online with as well. William saying that he went out to get food and pelts. He said, I want it to be a surprise for you, Catherine. And that goes back to the man wanting to bring something back to her. And I think this is the perfect line for William to say, because it's probably what he wanted to do. But of course it didn't happen. So he's, he's that pride that he has is crumbling and it, it really gets to William, especially in the final acts and, and the witch. And I love that. And we get some, some scenes here. I think there's some rainfall late at night. I think that Thomason goes to check the goats to put them to bed as well. Yeah. She's like asking Catherine, her mother, like, uh, I got to lay the goats down, calm them down or something like get them rested up or get them to bed. I don't know how they, you know, they describe some things very, I have to bed different, the goats. differently, like go lay the goat. Like, yeah. So, uh, we see her out there and then she catches Caleb back at the farm naked as can be. And he's like, just leaning up against the fence with like an arm out, like shaking and it's cold, it's thundering, it's wet. And, um, she runs to him, getting him inside basically at this point. And we, we get a lot of shots here of him upstairs in the house, laying down, uh, with the family attending to him, just trying to, you know, and, and they're questioning Thomason too, I think at this point, uh, cause again, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, like what were you doing out in the woods? So she kind of explains that like. They're trying to figure out like what happened to him. She doesn't know. It's really not making her case uh, look good at all. And it's one of those things where she can't do anything about it. Like she just, she's telling the truth. She's like, you know, and they think in, at this point too, Catherine is finally, I think, admitting how he's bewitched. This family's bewitched. Things are happening. So now they're kind of taking that into reality like they're kind of succumbing to it at this point yeah we see bite marks even on caleb's mouth yeah so i don't know where they don't know where that came from we as the audience know but they obviously are starting to assume the worst and as a religious family they are really really starting to worry they're always worried about whether they are going to hell or not and if they're praying enough and if they are if they are given forgiveness for their sins. And we see that so plain as day in these scenes that they are questioning whether God sees them in a good light. And we get some really tense scenes, really well done. And we get a lot of dialogue more than anything in these next scenes, a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I had to noted, maybe you can answer, we can leave it up in the air. Maybe the audience can think about it, but like, why would the witch send Caleb back? Like, why? Like, what was what was the thought? What was the reasoning behind that? You know, if you're the witch and you do that to a baby at first in the beginning, why not take advantage of this boy you, you lured in? Like, why? Like, you know, like, what was what was the thought behind that? My just only to, just to prove a point to the family, like, hey, I'm out here or like tempting them or like just showing off a little bit like so i think yeah my only theory is to further destruct this family especially william and Catherine, to just put them down on their knees at that point and get them to their most vulnerable state to the point where they are absolutely blaming everybody in their family at this point whether it's thomason or the twins because thomason eventually tries to tell them that 
no, the twins have been telling me the whole time that, you know, they are the witch of the woods. They've seen the witch and they've talked to Black Phillip. So yeah. everybody is at each other's throats at this point. Everybody. Yeah. It's like a free for all in this house. And I like how you brought up that dialogue from the twins because um, they they do mock and mimic the devil in Black Phillip, this freaking goat we keep hearing about uh, to some of the other siblings and, and around the parents and like the parents don't even like, they just say, Hey, stop it. Like, that's annoying. Like, don't like quit it. They don't think much about it though. And as an audience watching, you're like, uh, a goat's talk to them. Like that's actually like, there's a connection between that with the devil and, you know, conjured through a, you know, animal. And it's like, that's a problem. You should maybe consider it a little more when they're like messing around like that. And yeah, at this point, the family is just in shambles. And Catherine, again, thinking this whole thing's cursed. They're cursed. The family's cursed. The land they're on, I think, even's cursed. And like, they never should have moved here. Uh, I think she even admits too, like, she wishes she was back in England, mm -hmm. back at home, quote unquote. She wants to be home. Uh, very cool kind of little dialogue they had there. Uh, sentiment, sentimental, you know, thing going on. Uh, with her that's so. a hard decision for a family to make in that time in england to just take their family and move across the ocean to a completely uncharted land yeah. and i imagine the man probably had a lot of sway in that decision and now Catherine is is absolutely taking that out on on william and essentially putting the blame on him for putting them in the situation they're in so like we said just a lot of turmoil a lot of name name calling and blaming between the family members. I think one night passes and we end up the next day with Caleb screaming. And Caleb has some some good scenes here. And this was what I was talking about earlier about this young actor doing a great job with a very difficult scene and dialogue to portray here. We have him laying down there and he says, he yells it basically. Get the broad axe. She'll cut off your head. Get the narrow axe. He'll cut off your head. She's upon me. My bowels, my stomach, sin, sin, sin. He stops and then spits out a half-eaten apple from his mouth. Yeah, the apple comes back. Yep. And the moment the family sees that, they are completely, completely convinced that they are cursed. 100% at this rate. And it mm -hmm. only further creates the tension that we've already had building up to the point where we're about to freaking burst. Yeah. That scene was creepy as hell. Uh, the dialogue to just like, he's actually being possessed right now, spitting up that apple. And I think after that, he, he lays down to rest and he actually just passes away right there. Uh, basically with like his eyes open, Catherine's like, she notices she's trying to like wake him up all the other emotions come out the morning the, the grieving on top of everything else that just happened you know before that and it's all coming out it's all spewing out and at that moment too i think william like gets thomason like down on her knees and is like repent the lord's prayer and believe it or not after doing some research this was something they used to do in real life when they thought someone was a witch or bewitched, if you will. And basically what would happen, because if you noticed in this scene, they all go around uh, Caleb at the time and they 
they try to say the Lord's prayer and the twins can't, and they actually like pass out on the ground, mm-hmm. like not waking up. And they're like, we can't, I forgot it. And in real life, they would make someone do this that thought, you know, they were a witch. If they couldn't recite the Lord's prayer, they would like hang them that day or something, or they'd bring them to court, whatever. Um, that's a trait, something they would notice is if like you're possessed or a witch and you can't say the Lord's prayer, well, like that's proving like you're involved in that type of shit. So if you can, usually it's a good sign uh, that, yeah, maybe you've dabbled with it, but you aren't like fully ascended or possessed, if you will. Um, so I just wanted to point that out because I tried to, you know, correlate a lot of this because uh, I know the director, uh, Robert, he, you know, did so much putting into this movie with his own research and like trying to keep what, you know, things happen in real life into this movie, especially set back in the 1630s. So. Just wanted to throw that in there, uh, especially for anyone listening, because if you do any research on this or like the famous Salem witch trials, which happened in that same century, there's a lot of historical events, things that, you know, they mentioned too in this movie, like diaries, things people uh, recorded. They correlate a lot with this movie. So a lot of this is actually pretty accurate as far as like, if this actually happened, like these events would take place. So I like how, I like how they added that. So very cool. That's what's intriguing about this time period is we have some historical evidence of the happenings that went on during the 1600s, but some of it is loosely based and we don't quite know for sure just how they went about these things and how they acted in their everyday lives. But to read up on it and to put in the research and to implement that into your movie to the to the point that it's pretty well based in reality for what we've read for this time is is very applaud applaudable and and I love to see that you did a great job with it mm-hmm. and we get a lot of good dialogue like we said and it's almost to the point that William is starting to question Thomason as well full on to to this point he's been a little bit forgiving of Thomason and he's tried to tried to deny that Thomason is in fact witched, but he is, he's starting to question even at this point after seeing what he saw with Caleb. So those scenes for Thomason, it hurt her. And she basically calls William a hypocrite. She says, you cannot hunt. You cannot grow food. She is at this point calling out her own dad. And William takes that so personally and she ends up kind of telling him that she personally thinks the twins are the ones that are, are witched. So he drags her back into the house. She tells Catherine, she says she's not a witch. She says it was the twins. They start interrogating the twins about it too. And of course the twins are freaking what, five years or less. So these, it just, it's so, it sucks to see this devastation in the family and to see them to the point where they're absolutely blaming their own kids. Yeah, she says the two younger kids made a covenant with the devil in the shape of Black Philip, which is the goat, the black goat in the movie. Uh eh, like I don't even know how to how you process that if, you know, you're you know, William in the movie, it's just like, man, and then you got your own daughter calling you out on lies and oh, like you want to confess? Is that the truth? Is that the truth? She just lists like three things off in a row and he just yeah, like you said, takes it so freaking personal. She also, I love that she says this, and we forgot to kind of touch on this. William, throughout the movie, chops wood constantly. All he does is chop wood. I think there's at least four scenes of him chopping wood at night. 
Yeah. And she calls him out on that too. She says, all you can do well is chop wood. <laughs> how how demoralizing. Oh. Like, I know that we do shit different nowadays, but like back then, like obviously staying warm was a part of survival and yep. saying like the only thing you can do good is chop freaking a log in half. Like you can just chop wood good. Like, come on. So yeah, his, I like how you brought that up. His voice is so authoritative too. He he literally <laughs> calls the twins ye black minions. I just the dialogue is so fantastic. I just can't it's get crazy. over it. It's crazy. Yeah. We see uh we see William now after all of that. He actually locks up the twins and Thomason, the three of them, in the little shack or barn, if you will, with the two goats, uh, and says, We're keeping you in here, especially Catherine. Catherine does not even want him in sight. You know, the mo- the mom during this is just so pissed off and emotional. And she's like, get the hell out of here, basically. And so he locks him up. And the plan, I think, is to leave in the morning. Uh, you know, after you know, spending the night in there, leave in the morning. We'll go back into town, try to get some help. Uh, for potentially, or no, not for Kayla, but they try to go back to get help, possibly for you know, for survival purposes, and see what they can do to you know get anything from the town. I think at this point too, um, and. I think the, you know, maybe you could touch or branch out, but does the night pass or do we see a different scene? Because I think there's the scene where Caleb and like the baby returns um, and in like a different form uh, and that Catherine's kind of involved with that. Yes. So before we even get to that, it's very brief right before it. We have the scene of William and Catherine burying Caleb outside the farm and oh yep you're right i love this shot because we get a full panoramic of the farm that we've been spending our time in this movie at we have the two of them standing there looking over <laughs> the grave and then Catherine. this just goes to further show the devastation she jumps in the grave and is we have a shot of william looking down into the grave and she's literally laying on top of caleb and just sobbing just distraught such an effective scene and some really good shots of the setting we've been spending our time at so freaking good. And I think that we pretty much go to the next day. And I think we have Catherine in bed. She's, she's pretty much seeing things at this point. She sees Caleb, like you said, in an almost spiritual form sitting there with Samuel, the baby in his arms and he's talking to Catherine saying, would you like to see us often, mother? And she obviously is loving this because she misses her kids. She is definitely struggling at this point. And she says, I will feed the baby. So she takes Samuel from Caleb's arms. And mm-hmm. she thinks that she's feeding the baby. And we actually go back out to the to the stable with the goats. And we have the twins. And... Thomason seeing something in that stable. They see that naked, decrepit form of presumably the witch, I think, feeding on the goats yeah. in there, which is disturbing in, in its own right. And then we get a cut shot straight back into the house. This really got me of Catherine thinking she's feeding the baby, but in reality her breasts were being nipped at 
by a raven, which we mentioned earlier in the movie yeah. about being the forms that the devil can take. <laughs> it's bad. literally pecking it's at her. It's so wrist. messed up. It's so it's... messed up, but it's so well done. Like you're seeing, if you're Catherine, like you're seeing stuff, you think you're in a reality of where your kids are back and everything's fine. And then, you know, with an A24 film, like how talk to me was, it reminds me of how, uh, how the father Max died and got stabbed in the neck because, yep. uh, the girl, the main character pretended like she was seeing something, takes that scissors and stabbed when in, and it shows a totally different shot than of reality. And it's her father getting killed. And then in this case, we get a shot of reality where that crow is for that Raven's literally pecking at like her nipples or her breast, whatever it is. And it's, I, I was I literally out loud was like, Holy shit. Like, I was like, wow, that is uh yeah, that's pretty messed up. So. And, and we're definitely getting into the final acts here at this rate. We all are hell, all hell is yep. breaking, breaking loose. And we have William, I think the next day they wake up and yeah, I think walks, it's the next morning. At he this walks, point. walks outside and we see Catherine laying in the bed as he gets up. We can clearly see that her left breast is just full of blood from, from the Raven. I don't even think she notices, like she doesn't know. acknowledge it at all. I'm she, assuming she has, but like, she didn't even notice it at all. And she doesn't say anything about it either, which is interesting that I noticed. But yeah, we get, yeah, William, like you said, he, I think he's just going outside uh, to check up on the three kids in the barn and he just steps out and we see a shot of chaos. The barn that he boarded up, we see boards all over the ground. Uh, Thomas and I think awake, but Lane, I and I believe the two twins are missing and then the white goat dismembered and yep. mangled up like something literally ripped off like all of its limbs, its guts torn open, its stomachs out. Ooh, like it's a kind of a gut-wrenching scene. Yes. Um, and then I think also, so he, like Catherine, uh, I think uh, Thomason, or not Catherine, Thomason is, is like laying there. And I think this is the point where Black Phillip attacks him, isn't it? Yeah, I At think this he... Point, which caught me really off guard. Definitely. I don't know if William heard something in the distance or what it was, but he got distracted for a moment. And mm -hmm. Black Phillip comes up from behind him in complete surprise and essentially impales him with one of his with one of their horns yeah. from the goat. And that horn got him good. It was deep. The blood was running. And William knew immediately that that was a fatal blow. He's obviously so yeah. surprised. He doesn't know what to do. He grabs the axe that he has sitting on the, the side of the house. And we get a sweet scene of Black Phillip kind of almost kind of prancing in front of him, egging him on to try to to try to kill him. And of course, that does not happen. Black Phillip gets one good final blow on him and knocks him back, which I freaking love this little detail. Knocks William back into the pile of wood that he has been chopping all movie and the wood all piles down on his soon to be dead body. I just, yeah. I thought that was so creative to have those moments of him chopping ax 
the only thing he can do right. And then when he dies, it all comes tumbling down on him. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I loved how you mentioned that because I was going to say the same thing. So good. One thing, though, that I realized, if you've ever seen a goat's horn, it's like, you know, foot and a half long, two feet long, and it's curved. It's curved back away from their head. So the horn's curved and the tips facing like on its lower back or butt. So that I, I, I seriously wonder how realistic it would be for that, for him to get stabbed like that. If you think of the angle that it would have to stab him at, it'd be very difficult. I don't know if that's even a thing that happens or how often that happens or if it's very even realistic, but I, I thought of that. I'm like, that thing is long and sharp, obviously with force, but like, with the with the angle of that and how it's curved, I'm like, how like realistic? That is, is a that? terrible flaw. I'm giving this a two out of ten. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, a great point, oh, though. I mean, it makes total sense. To I'm just being nitpicky, it. but I'm like, okay, like how realistic is that? But I love how it was Black <laughs> Philip, the goat, yeah, uh, literal goat, the literal goat, <laughs> the literal goat. How you did that? So, and then we see him, like you said, get rammed, which I thought was cool. He's bleeding out of his mouth right into the wood and i think thomason now just like basically goes up to him and i think they just kind of have like one last moment together and we get a really cool shot of thomason maybe i said Catherine earlier i met thomason thomason now just she kind of walks into this barn uh that we really haven't seen before and there's just like a you know table or a bench there with a chair and she just sits in it, dude. And this is like, as an audience member, you're, you're sitting with her alone. Like I, cause at that point I'm like, damn, like she is actually like all alone now. How is this going to end? There's just a brief moment of silence there, stillness and a kind of eerie looking shot of just her being alone, just sitting there. And like, you know, if you're her thinking like her thoughts, trying to put yourself in her shoes, it's like, what, what am I going to do now? Like my whole family's dead. And how am I going to survive? Like if she lives through this or whatever happens, it's like, how am I going to survive? Like, I'm, you have literally nothing now. Yeah. You don't have any transportation family running low on food. It's like, damn, like that's pretty tough. And even before that we have Catherine grab her when she's looking at her father, William, as he passes Catherine came out to the house, came outside from the house and pulls the hair of Thomason and takes her back. And she sees all of this death and destruction. And she is now 1000% convinced that the devil is in Thomason. Oh, yeah. They have some really brutal scenes here where they have a fight scene here, a fight Very scene cool. where Catherine calls her a slut. She calls her a whore, which is just so hurtful to hear. And She's on top of Thomason and really threatening her life. Thomason finds a cleaver of some sort on the ground next to her and smacks Catherine in the face. And we see the blood, this top angle from Catherine as she's trying to kind of choke out Thomason. We see the blood start to kind of spill on Thomason's cloak. Yep. Really, really good scenes. And Catherine just keeps going for the choke, the choke on her, trying to just... Killer. She's got the angle. She's got yeah. the angle on her. Trying to sure. kill her. And yeah. luckily, Thomason has one last chance with the cleaver. <laughs> Smacks her like three times in the head. Catherine's dead. We go to the scenes you just mentioned, which were so 
perfectly done. There's this sense of, of isolation and being alone for her. What will she do? And like you said, what will she do? She is alone. There is not much she can help herself out here with. It's pretty much lost at this point for her. And we then get some sweet scenes of her kind of staring out at the woods. We get a scene of her also kind of seeing Caleb's grave in the distance. And like you said, she en ends up just going inside and laying her head down on the, the table inside the house and essentially sleeping through through most of the night. And she wakes up. In the middle of the night, she hears something. She goes out to the stable. This is a really good scene here, too. And I'll let you kind of dive into that if you want, Money. Sure, yeah. Um, so this is basically the last, one of the last couple scenes we get in the movie. And she is so, I think right now, mentally distraught and in shambles where at this point, she's like, I have to figure out what the hell is going on with this goat. Like, you had the twins talking about it. It just killed your dad. Um, so I think she's just so contemplated to go and speak to this, like what the twins were hearing. And she goes out there in the barn. We get a cool shot. She's got a you know lantern, uh, walks in there, and we just we get one single frame or like shot. She's like face on with the camera, and you know, she, we know Black Phillips in there, the goat, the black goat. And I think at this point, she's just like, she's like, talk to me or something. Um, I don't know if you like noted any direct lines of dialogue from there, but yeah, I think... actually, I do have some here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Black, yeah. Black Phillip is outside the stable when she walks out and is essentially inviting Thomason to join him or her, whatever the goat. I'm assuming the goat is a man, a male form. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. invites her into the stable. And she says, I conjure thee to speak to me like you did to Mercy and Jonas. And the goat speaks and he says, what does thou want? Mm -hmm. I, I freaking love that. And, and before it that. And it doesn't say a lot in the beginning. Like, yeah. we don't think we're going to get an answer. And then as she's like kind of turning away to like get out, it then speaks to her. I just wanted to add that. I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to add that. Very little yeah. cool detail. Yeah, I love that. And, and the goat says. Wouldst thou like a taste of butter, a pretty dress? Wouldst thou love to live deliciously, to see the world? Yeah. Thomason says, what will you want from me? Dost thou see the book before thee? And at this point, we are presuming that this is the book of the devil. And the goat mm -hmm. is saying to Thomason, are you willing to give up your life to sign the book of the devil and become part of this realm as a witch? And... Thomason signs the book and we cut directly after that to <laughs> this. This was so effective and so, so impeccably well done. We have Thomason now walking out to the tree line of the woods, fully naked. And she enters the woods. And what does she find money? She's going out and she walks up to what is a group of naked humans we don't know who they are what they're i mean we kind of know what they're there for at this point but we don't know who they are um all dancing around and chanting around a huge pile of burning wood um i don't think anybody was being sacrificed in that fire or anything and at this point too dude i didn't know if we were gonna see any of the family members there uh 
come back maybe in a different form that have all passed from, you know, this devil entity thing going on, especially with Black Phillip. But we see this and they're all chanting and dancing and she's getting closer and closer. And we get a shot of her basically kind of almost at this point now in like a euphoric state and they all start levitating and we get just you can tell like the background like she's getting higher and higher and then we get one cool final shot of her like literally 50 feet up in the air next to these huge trees legs kind of together and arms out i think something like that and it's a very and the i think this the movie ends and the movie does have a quote at the end that says this film was inspired by many folk tales fairy tales and written accounts of historical witchcraft including journals diaries and court records much of the dialogue comes directly from these period sources so very cool kind of interesting way to end the movie um what would you think of that as i kind of you know dissected it there a little bit oh i i tell you what it was so admirably done by the director to have those final scenes the way that they were constructed they were such an amazing payoff crescendo here is just phenomenal and to see her levitating like that you said it so perfectly it was euphoric as to the yeah. point that she finally all those burdens that she had been suffering through all of that time questioning whether she was good enough in God's God's eyes, she finally was released in this this state. And my theory, we talked about it, we don't know for sure, is that the twins were sacrificed at that at that moment. We don't know for sure. That's my theory because we never see where they where they went. So if that's no. true, that's absolutely just demented and shocking. But to see her levitate was beyond me because this whole movie money we were questioning things and the family was questioning things as well and believing in their religion and, and believing the fact that the devil is real and the devil is out there and we're essentially reaffirmed of that thought and the family was also reaffirmed that they were right the whole time they were right in their beliefs to think that there was something out there so that payoff from from a religious standpoint is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, also, too, you know, we had we mentioned it. There was a scene where they talked about the apples and like how life back home in England was was a lot better. They wish they could be back home, especially Catherine and stuff like that. And when Black Philip asked, like, I can show you the world, like. He's selling her fake promises, maybe. I don't know. Like, he's mm -hmm. just luring. It's, a, you know, the devil is very, It's he's a liar. He's the most mischievous thing ever. And they'll do anything to lie to you and make you believe in something that's not true. So that dialogue there before she goes off into the woods is so precise yet accurate. And it, you know, there's things foreshadowing kind of leading up to that, which I thought was amazing. And yeah, like I said, it's an interesting way to end the movie. Um, 
what I, it's so, I'm gonna dumb it down. It's so simple. What I thought of that at the end is like, Hey, if you can't beat them, join them. Like, yeah. And that's what it's like. Literally like, like, she just like, if you can't beat them, join them. Like, she's like, well, I have nothing to live for at this point. My whole family's dead. Like I, she'd have to go back into town somehow by foot. Uh, if she wanted any chance of survival or someone taking her in, unless she could do it on her own out there, but that'd be a lot of work, uh, out on that farm. Granted, if she never went back into the forest and lived a normal life. Uh, but I think she was already cursed at that point. I think the devil had so much role playing into her life. Like she's, this is all corrupted. Like there's pretty much no chance you're going to come out of this being normal, like how things used to be before Samuel got taken and all, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, interesting way to end the movie. Um, I wish we could have seen a little other things happen, especially with that group. Maybe I would love to have seen lines of dialogue from those people. Uh, maybe some conversations as she approaches them or, you know, cause none of them even noticed she was like coming. They're all just dancing and chanting. She just joins in like, Hey, this is normal. But dude, when you're under possession, possession and shit like that, like mm-hmm. nothing's normal. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just wish we would have seen a little more action from some of those other people or, you know, things they could have done or approached her in a different way or even at all for that matter. But yeah, I'm just kind of getting nitpicky. Uh, Wasn't my favorite way of how it ended, but I love that shot of her like 50 feet up in the air. So I, I, I did like that. So I had it going for itself. Yeah, th- just a fun time talking about it. Let's hear, I'm curious, what did Rotten Tomatoes give it? Because I haven't looked in a long, long time. Stuff changes as the years goes go by, so it's been seven, eight years since it came out. What are we currently at on Rotten Tomatoes money? Yep, so an audience score of 60% and a critic score of 90%. Wow, yeah, that's a... So that's mm-hmm. high. That is mm-hmm. high. That's really high for mm-hmm. this movie. And I think it has to do a lot, like I said, these characters. They did such an amazing job. Um, And maybe you'd give it a higher score if you're a critic, if you like this time period, if you like, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole cultural aspect behind it, the the dialogue, the setting, like, again, the time period alone. And things based on real life, Mm because things like this did happen in, in real life look up the Salem witch trials, um, same pretty much time period. And they even had a quote at the end that I read, like this stuff did happen. Like they had trials, they have court rulings over this documentation all up the wall with it. So, um, but let's, let's get into reviews. So speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, that's what, you know, critic and audience score gave it. I am curious to hear what you have. Um, I'm sticking. I'll stick with my initial rating. I'll go. I'll go first. I don't care. Um, Here, I'll, I'll stick with my initial rating, and I'm going to continue forward with it. It might change in the future if I, you know, I continue to watch it. Um, but I, I'm going to give this a seven point six. So, not as far up in the, you know, as a, in a nine out of ten aspect as Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critics gave it um i you know it wasn't like 
it was don't get me wrong it was very suspenseful very eerie very cool plot um for me though it wasn't my style of horror and i like variety do not get me wrong i love variety um this is just one of those movies though you know knowing what it is now like it won't be something i'd probably watch that often it'll be pretty rare you know when it comes up it comes up i'd be excited to watch it again though but i'd have to give it some time um you know this is really the definition of like a slow burner movie like i said we get that one cool shot in the beginning then it's just kind of bleh from there and we get some things going on um you know i did and didn't like how thomason was used kind of used and abused like for getting blamed for everything i feel like the movie just kind of made that an excuse to keep the movie going so like oh when sam disappeared oh you were with him i'm gonna blame you and that leads into other events and then when things happen to the twins and caleb it's like well you're so i feel like it's almost like an excuse for the movie to blame her to keep the movie going to spice try to spice things up it just seemed like kind of like an excuse i wish they would have manipulated that in better ways um i liked kind of the family drama going on but for me it was almost too much at times um and that's just kind of being nitpicky you know lots of emotions some of the best acting I've seen in a while in a horror movie, do not get me wrong, that has a very strong positive going for this movie. Um, and the way, you know, they just depicted the witch, the eeriness, the sus- it's a very suspenseful movie. Not the scariest, though. So that, to me, again, I love getting scared. That's the whole point of mm-hmm. horror for me, anyway. Um, I know it goes into the category of suspense. Do not get me wrong. Um, but it's like, man, I wish... I wish they could have did some of those things really, you know, just differently. Um, So I'm sticking with the 7.6. I think giving it right over that 7.5 hump is deserving of it. Um, I was initially thinking about a low seven, but with how this, this movie's just a vibe, like it's eerie. It's cold out where we are, the, you know, no leaves on trees. Everything's kind of seems like that dead feeling and we know winter's coming. So it's mm-hmm. like a perfect movie. So in this, you know, I'd probably watch it again this time around next year. Do not get me wrong. Um, it's definitely not something I go back to or think about all the time, but is something I rec- I would recommend. I know you said the same earlier. Um, yeah, 7.6. I think it's deserving of that i don't think it for me it deserves anything over an eight um eight's kind of like an elite category and then nine or above is like legendary to me Mm -hmm. um or epic but yeah i like a 7.6 and and that's what i'm going to stick with it it might change in the future i will say i am surprised it you know it's got a 90 uh for critic score on rotten tomatoes I, i would love to read some of these critics comments because you know, I probably could guess what it's going to say, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to go with a seven point six. So curious to see what you got, Junes. I think that's very a, curious. an honorable score, and I think that when you see a ninety percent from the critics, they do typically relish a slow burn psychological horror. I, I don't think that they can deny that. 
They really genuinely do. I think across the horror films I've looked at in the past, the ones with the high critic score are going to be the ones that are slow burn with a lot of dialogue, with a lot of more creepy, unsettling moments versus the scares. And that's just the way it is. And whether you agree with it or not, I would obviously lean towards disagreeing with that take. I think it is just the plain hard truth. That's how they rate these horror movies. So I absolutely respect where you're coming from. And I do agree that this story could have progressed a little quicker. Not that it was a long movie, but some of the dialogue and moments of chaos with the family were a little bit drawn out at times. So I can absolutely see where you're where you're coming from with your slant there, 100%. So I can't deny your score. I am going to go a little higher. I do want to point out here briefly, this movie does a great job at touching on the consequences of sin. And we see some of the deadly sins, the seven deadly sins that are dispersed throughout with each character. I'm going to read through them here. So each family aside from Sam succumbed to the temptation of at least one of those deadly sins. William was pride. Again, he was banished for prideful conceit at the beginning of the movie. Catherine was envy because she was envious of Thomason and her youth. We had Caleb who had lust. We also had Mercy, who was wrath. I mean, she was ruthless to her family members throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you had you had the other child, Jonas, who was sloth. Jonas did not really commit anything to the family. He was just kind of there. He didn't really help out a whole lot. So I found that quite fascinating to read up on. And I thought I'd, I'd touch on that quickly before I get into my I, review. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy you brought that up because that's a great thing to look back at. And really, the rest of the family, they never saw the error of their way, and they put that blame on Thomason, which you mentioned it. It did get a little bit tiresome that they constantly, constantly did that throughout the film. So those are very respectable, respectable points that you make their money. For me, I love this time period, and I think you made a good point. If you like the history of this time period, if you enjoy touching on the themes of religion, Mm-hmm. with some very slow burn creepy moments you're probably going to give this a pretty high score is it a 90 no it is not a 90 100 not a 90 and for me ultimately the setting i loved it we were isolated we were out in uncharted territory anything could go wrong out here we're just trying to survive with this family we're, we feel like we're there with them throughout the entirety of the film i thought the plot and the direction personally was pretty darn good I thought maybe they did a little bit too much Easter egg placement throughout, which probably bogged down the film as a whole. Obviously, still good little nuggets of aha moments when you look back on it, but I do think it probably bogs down the film. I thought the acting was pretty freaking good from everybody. Anya Taylor-Joy did great. William, whoever plays him, did amazing as well. He was so authoritative and so strong with his dialogue whenever he was on scene. And the kids and Catherine all did their part as well. I personally thought that the creepiness at least somewhat fulfilled that level of scare that we want. I think they sometimes go hand in hand and we got plenty of those creepy moments with a look of the tree line and the ominous choir music in the background, the string instrumentals, all of that combined together really provided for an effective creepy movie. The climax, the finale I thought was pretty darn good i didn't have a whole lot of quarrels with it and with all of that being said 
I'm going to stick with my initial score, which was a seven, eight. I thought wow. about this. I know I thought about this quite a bit and I was looking at some of the movies we've recently reviewed and I thought, what did I enjoy more? What just had me on the edge of my seat more? The mm -hmm. other ones we've discussed that I went higher absolutely had more of an enjoyable quality in terms of horror that right. the witch just lacked a little bit. So for me, that's kind of why I'm sticking with the seven, eight. It, it is a good movie for me. And I think it's a great movie for this time of the year when it's cold. Like you said, the trees are just completely barren of leaves. You have that just kind of dead feeling and very melancholy. That, yeah. Very melt full of melancholy and dread. I love that. But I think one of the things that we agree on is sometimes slow burn in these horror films can be a negative. And I think that's what we see here with us both being under an eight. Yeah. Not only was it a slow burner, but the scare effect wasn't there yep. really at all. It was suspense. But when you have a slow burner and then it ends up being scary, it kind of pays off. But this film didn't have a whole lot the the one could good jump scare i had too was like when like i think it was like the second time we saw the witch and it turned to the twins and like screamed that was pretty good um but again it's like mainly suspense it's leading up to it like you're seeing it and it's just like oh but if you're more of a suspenseful movie watcher this is for you one million percent um it's just it felt like out of my element a little, but I'm glad. I, again, I love variety. It's just, um, it just wasn't an insane hit for me, you know? Um, but not to say it wasn't good. This is definitely something I will be coming back to. Um, I love a 7.6. It's insane how we're 0. 0.2 points differential uh, from each other. Uh, if you're listening to, we don't tell each other our scores until we get to this point on the podcast so everything we're saying at the end here and giving our scores is raw uh we don't tell each other beforehand we you know i try to not look at rotten tomatoes i know you do a lot too cody um so when i pulled this up before the podcast i was like damn a 90 percent like that <laughs> is and it's true you like what you said like they must love slow burning horror movies just mm -hmm something where you get indulged to something invested with, and then you see a lot come out at the end. So, um, and you're learning a lot in between all that with the characters. So, um, you got anything else before we wrap it up? I think that pretty much sums it up here. That was a, a really quality episode talking with you money. And I hope everybody feels the same. I just want to wish everybody before we close off of here, a happy Thanksgiving, whether you celebrate the holiday or not, I hope that you do in some kind of sense, whether it be small or large. So again, thanks to everybody. Thanks to you money for being the goat. Of course. Hey, the black Phillip, I should say. Oh, I was just to tell you that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Again, Check us out on Spotify. This is where it will first be released. And then YouTube will try to upload TikToks. Um, and check us out. We are, we're on a couple different platforms, uh, like Apple Podcasts. And I think another one, Junes, or is that or those those four? Yep, we're Spotify. We're on also Apple Podcasts. We are yep. on YouTube as well. Yep. 
and so. TikTok. So yes, please try to follow that TikTok if you have the chance, folks. Yeah. If you type in just scratching the surface, you'll see our logo. I think it's there's a couple underscores in between each one and then a zero at the end. But scratching the surface, you'll see our logo. Check us out. Uh, June's got a intro uh, upload uh, first TikTok on there. So it's really cool. So I'm looking to join in on that, have some fun. Um, and yeah, happy holidays, everyone. We hope uh, the best for you guys and stay safe out there. And this has been Scratching the Surface.